Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. This is episode number three of our Deals Gone Bad series. And this has really taken off. I'm excited about this. Getting such good education, talking to folks, normal, regular folks. These aren't gurus. These aren't people trying to sell stuff. They're just regular investors talking about their bad deals. And we've all got bad deals, right? In fact, if you don't have one yet... <laughs> you probably haven't been investing long enough. But don't be afraid of failures, right? That's our best teacher. And a lot of times we learn more from our mistakes and our failures than we do from our successes. And somebody said once, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. I think it was uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said something like that. So I might get it wrong. Somebody will tell me, I'm sure. So this is a podcast. We're doing it live right now on YouTube and Facebook. So hello, what's going on? On this episode, we're going to be talking with a good friend of mine I've known for years, Jonathan Rexford from Florida. And we're going to be talking about some creative financing deals that went bad. And these are right two things that I love talking about, virtual deals and creative financing deals. And this is a combination of both. John Jonathan's got a virtual creative financing deal that went bad. And we're going to be talking about the all the gory details. Now, I'm not, we're not going to be talking about gory details, but we're going to be getting some really valuable lessons learned from Jonathan as soon as I bring him on here in a second. So hello again. And uh, if you're watching this live on Facebook and YouTube right now, please leave a comment, say hello, give us a thumbs up, share this, let us know you like this stuff. Let us know what you're getting out of it, if you're getting anything at all. And if you have a question for me or for Jonathan, as we do this podcast here, type it in the Facebook and YouTube comments, and it will come up and I will bring it on the screen here and give you a shout out or ask the question and we'll get it answered for you. Okay. Let's see what else I was going to say. Oh yeah. You got to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel. We release at least two or three episodes every single week. And we give a lot of good content out there that you won't even know is coming out unless you subscribe to the podcast. I use, uh, there's a podcast app that I like on my iPhone called Pocket Casts. You might want to check that out. You can use the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or now it's not even called Google Play anymore. It's called Pod Google Podcasts or whatnot. All right, one more thing. I am keeping show notes of all of these episodes. And the last one I just did, Bomsi gave me some links and resources. I'm going to ask Jonathan for some resources as well and notes, and you're going to learn all of the lessons learned, I'm going to be combining all of them into one mind map. And if you want that mind map of all these notes, it might turn into a book or I'm going to be using this, compiling all these lessons learned into a resource that you can get if you go to jomacall.com slash bad, jomacall.com slash bad, or you can text the word bad to 313131. If you're driving, don't send a text, but it's easier sometimes to remember sending a word to a number than a website. I don't know, but text the word bad to 313131 and we'll send you this mind map and during each episode, we can buy all our notes, put them in there and the resources and stuff like that you want to look at and reference in the future or get all of the show notes. I've got at least 20 or 25 of these interviews lined up. So I'm excited about this. And it's just a great way to, that I, I know is, I, I'm hoping is helping a lot of you guys. So text the word bad to 313131 or go to slash bad to get the mind map. You'll get a link to it and you can check it out and get all of the resources. We'll have soon uh, transcripts in here of each episode, uh, bullet points of all the notes and all the references and links and stuff like that that we talk about in the show. Whew. All right, you ready to get Jonathan on? Let's bring Jonathan 
Rexford. Jonathan, how are you, my man? I am super fantastic, Joe. How are you doing up there in a beautiful land? St. Louis, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, I love it. It's overcast. It's uh, 45 degrees. <laughs> Haven't seen the sun in a, in a week. Feels like a couple weeks. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. You're in Florida. I'm sure the weather's a little nicer down there. It's been wet. I'm on the east coast of Florida, uh, just a little north of Miami, about two and a half hours. Okay. Nice. Mm. We've known each other a long time, Jonathan, but why don't you tell your story a little bit? You've been in the business a long time, right? Yeah. I bought my first house in 1986, started my investing career in 1987, both as I kind of grew up in the business itself. My Both my parents owned a general contracting company, development company, that kind of stuff. I took over the day-to-day operations in 93, but I always had my hand in the investment side of things. Nice. And I, and I got in the creative side of stuff, you know, following the same group that we all follow and hiccups and bumps and along the way. But yeah, it's been a, you know, always fail forward. I think, Jonathan, weren't you on the uh, Naked Investor Forum at one time? Yeah, I was pretty uh, active back in the day with a Naked (laughs) Investor before we had Facebook. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that's not what you guys think. All right. Um, In fact, it's still going. Uh, What's the gentleman's name who runs it? Michael Carbonaire. He's just south. Oh, is he? Yeah, Michael Carbonaire. Great guy. Yeah, Yeah, you need to bring him on. I got to bring him on. I, I reached out to him one time and something happened. I forget, but nice guy. Mm-hmm. And he's got a website called The Naked Investor. Yeah. And it's just an online forum mm-hmm. and it's not naked, naked. Oh. It's um, like naked ingredients. You've ever heard of like uh, The Naked Chef? It's like mm-hmm. using pure, raw ingredients, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, anyway, okay. enough of that. But yeah, I was active on that's where we met. That was back Perfect. 12 years ago, 13, Absolutely. 12, 13 years ago. In quite a while. Yeah. Okay. So, um, You've been there, done that. You've got that t-shirt. You've done a lot of different types of deals. You're into residential, commercial. You do land a little bit too, don't you? I've done several developments. I'm, I kind of, I got slaughtered. So okay. I've decided that this third stage of my real estate life, I'm not going down. I'm not going back to that side of thing for speculation because that was entirely speculation. And that is, I've kind of redefined my word of investing, which is not speculation. That's good. You know, so I've kind of developed my little pillars, my own little pillars that I try to stay in my lane, stay in my box. And quite frankly, 15 years ago, this was one of these deals that I did that I should have stayed in my lane, stayed in my box, and then I went out. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Stayed in my lane. That's a good lesson learned. All right. So um, talk about this. You, you had a virtual deal, creative financing deal. How long ago was this? Well, this was back in 2005. Uh, very memorable. It's, pr- it's not the worst financial deal, but it's the most memorable. We didn't have the tools that we have today. But this was a lead that came online, and I had an acquisition manager. Back then, I had a ton of cash, Joe. I mean, I was—I had restaurants. I had, you know, I was—I thought I was going to be the multi-business owner, and cash made me stupid. And my acquisition manager found this deal, and it was his first deal that we were going to JV on. And he said, "Man, I've got this deal. It's got a hundred thousand dollars in equity." And so we ran the little Real Quest CD. I don't know if you remember those, but we were. So I ran these. Said, Man, this thing has a hundred thousand dollars in equity, and guy had major motivation. He had divorce, you know, behind on payments, that kind of thing. And I said, you know what? I'll take this one subject to subject to the existing mortgage, take over existing debt. And this was a house, right? This was a house. This was a two story house, beautiful home from the pictures. You know, didn't have the quite Google Street View yet. <laughs> for us to be able to do. So I said, sure, why not? Let's just take it down. So went ahead and sent the package over. I was actually looking it up. The payments on that were fourteen twenty two a month, P-I-T-I. Back then he was seven months behind. So I reinstated the loan. The deal was I had to pay off his Home Depot bill because part of his divorce, you know, again, 100,000 in equity. I'm walking into this thing. And what were the payments again? I'm sorry, I'm just writing notes here. Fourteen twenty two per month. P-I-T-I. And that's P-I-T-I. 
P-I-T-I. And we were estimating that we could probably get somewhere around 1850 because the whole idea, I was going to flip it. I was just going to take it subject to, flip it, make some money because I had no business being a landlord three and a half hours away from St. Petersburg to uh, to Vero Beach, Florida. I mean, as a, as a bird flies, it's a straight arrow, but it's still quite who, a trip. Who did you want to flip it to? Again, stay in your lane. I was not that wholesaler. I don't like wholesale deals, but still... I was going to flip it to a retail buyer because it was one of these four bedroom, three bath homes, nice wood floors, just beautifully remodeled with a mother-in-law apartment. I mean, okay. it was like wow. one of these 1920s style type homes in St. Pete. Okay. And so we did all this, got everything recorded, done everything by mail with a with a notary back then. They still had traveling notaries back then too. And got it recorded. And I said, okay, let's sell this thing. But you didn't even get an inspector there to go look at it. No, no, no. No, I mean, I, we, I looked at pictures. He took a picture of the, you know, to me, looking at a house from pictures and you take a picture of certain systems, I can kind of get an idea of what's wrong with it. Sure, you know, sure. HVAC, that kind of stuff. And again, I had a lot of cash. Just didn't matter. You know, here's an invoice. My bookkeeper paid it. That, that was it. Yeah, just go ahead and do it and just put it on the block. Well, we're sitting there. We go through January, February, which is still a pretty good year uh, here in Florida. You can still move properties. And my acquisition manager was living in Lake Worth at the time. I said, you need to come up to Vero so we can go to St. Pete. So we drive over to St. Pete one morning. I said, I need to take a look at this house, why it is not selling. We've got it for sale by owner. You know, haven't even thought about reaching out to a real estate agent. I pull off the interstate and I start worrying about that this house. This house was probably worth about 270, you know, bad comps, but it was right in the middle of several 10 unit apartment buildings. Okay. This is like the only house on the block. And I'm sitting there and said, oh boy, what have we bought? So I get there and I said, okay, let's let's fix this up because grass was kind of high. I yelled at the lawn guy, that kind of thing. And we kind of cleaned it up a little bit. And this is back when we had to use, we had to use Garmin GPS to get there, <laughs> you know, before. before get we, a, get a print, your map quest yeah, on directions on a piece of paper. That's it. Again, <laughs> I had no business doing <laughs> virtual deals. I tell people, he said, if you want virtual, I'm not your guy. <laughs> you know, I can tell you how, I can tell you how not to do it, but we wound up. We wound up visiting there and I said, okay, we got to find another way to do this. So we got some contacts around the area, figuring maybe we can flip it or maybe sell it or have somebody take over our position with the owners of the apartment building. No takers. They were all, they were all owned by different companies and we just never could get in, get a bite on it. So I said, well, I'm going to rent this thing out. Couldn't even get a taker to rent it for the mortgage. Really? Coming out of 2006. Oh. Uh, coming into 2006, I had been into this thing for about nine months at this time. The, the market was still white hot. It was still white hot, but understand, you could fog a mirror and get a mortgage. Uh, so it was hard to find a renter. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, you could back. You got to think about the loans that were back then. They had the Nina, the non-income, non-asset verification. You know, you know, you could qualify for anything. And here I am. I've got a 70-year-old house that I'm trying to sell at the top end of the market for in a totally rental neighborhood. So we could not find anybody to take over that debt because they were finding properties to move into. Mm. So I said, okay, let, let's just come back. And by the way, that was later on when we just decided, to, I decided. Before we move on from that, John, that's really interesting because I remember those days. And I remember thinking, because people are always complaining about either can't find any sellers or I can't find any buyers. It's funny because I had one time two coaching students in the same city on the same day contact me separately. And both one of them said, I'm finding tons of sellers, can't find any buyers. The other one said, I'm finding tons of buyers, can't find any sellers, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's the difference? But this is a real thing. And I think this is going to be happening again. 
in the future, I'm predicting, maybe, hope, I don't know, we'll see. Markets go through cycles, right? right. We haven't seen, you know, in, in since 2012, a time when it's been hard to find buyers, right? It's been hard to find sellers. To, you know, most, we still find them. You know, if we come back to this, where it's getting hard to find buyers, does that mean you can't do deals? Now, we're talking about bad deals here, but I just want to like refresh everybody's memory. You could still find buyers even back then for your creative deals, right? Right. It's just a little harder. And and I remember back then too, what was, do you remember um, Kent Clothier came out with Find Cash Buyers Now? Yes. The system. And, and that was a big thing because finding the buyers first made everything so much easier. It's not as important on people's minds now, but it will become important later. Would you agree Absolutely. to find buyers first? Absolutely. Because instead of going in with one type of disposition strategy, you need to have multiple disposition strategies to mm-hmm. handle situations like the one that I was in back in 2005. Oh, that down. You must have multiple disposition strategies strategies. And what that means is exit strategies, right? Like Absolutely. Owner financing or retail. Okay. All right. So uh, this house had what you thought about a hundred grand in equity. Right. You thought it had about 400 and something dollars in cash flow. Right. You couldn't even rent it though nope. for the mortgage payment of 1422 a month. Nope. Because a two bedroom house, a two bedroom apartment in these units were renting for about 450500 a month. Oh my gosh. So so we ran through this for about three months, and then I get a call from the property manager next door. Says, "Hey, fire department, that's your is that your house?" So I said, "Okay, again, stupid me. We had force placed insurance because I was not mining. I was not. I was not staying in touch with my business. Again, I had cash. It didn't matter. I just my bookkeeper just wrote checks. So we had force placed insurance on top of that fourteen twenty two per month. What, what does that mean? Force placed insurance. Force placed insurance is when you do not properly insure a house, meaning that if you if you let the insurance lapse, the mortgagor, I'm sorry, the mortgagee, the lender will place insurance to insure their risk in the property. Okay, so the the lender got insurance, and did you know that they had again not not staying in touch with my business? Went through the bookkeeper. Bookkeeper said, "Oh, payment increased. Boom, boom, boom. Do you know? Ooh. Write the check and go for it." Oh. Oh, yeah. So here's the neat thing about this. Well, I'm like, oh, crud, what's going on here? So I decided to take an early morning run back to St. Pete. And what had happened is that the mother-in-law apartment caught fire. And it wasn't a big fire. It was just enough to do a short and some smoke damage and so forth. And I found somebody to rehab the mother-in-law apartment. So, you know, I dropped another $22,000 rehabbing because it was already not up to code and not what I would want to be able to resell. So I'm already into this thing, cutting along about $60,000 with Ooh. nothing coming in. So I'm seeing my hundred, my magical hundred disappear, which was already gone anyways. So you you put about another 60 into it. Yeah. 60 with the payments, backup payments and all the other stuff that kind of goes along with it. I figured it out that we lost about 60, 65,000 altogether in this deal. Okay. Wow. So the, the fire, what happened then? Well, the fire, we, we remodeled it because I knew if I made a claim against the, uh, there would be no money left <laughs> if I made a claim against the, uh, the mortgagee's uh, insurance policy. So I went ahead and cashed, I wrote the check for that one. We rehabbed it and we went along for another two months. Nothing happened. I decided, you know what, I'm going to go over there and you know find out what, just really get into the market. I told my wife, I said, hey, I might be back tomorrow. I'm just going to go over. I'm going to work. 
and we'll work the local real estate agents, find a way to dump this property. Because again, we're, we're, we're moving right into 2006. I got things rocking and rolling over here in Vero Beach. I'm selling houses, flipping houses, building houses, doing a development. But this is the thorn that's in my side that's really causing me problems. And how long had this been? This has been right. Uh, this has been right at right at eleven months. Almost so eleven months. You're paying fourteen twenty two a month in pain. Well, actually, actually more than that because the insurance went up. Uh, uh, insurance went up hundred. I think it's like one hundred eighty bucks if I remember correctly. Oh man! Uh, but it ends very quickly right here. Okay. I get over there that day. I take my tools over there. Take my tool belt over, rake that kind of stuff. Because I had no idea what I'm gonna run into. So. I kind of clean up the place and I'm out front raking and so forth. And I thought I heard something inside the house. So I walk inside the house and lo and behold, Joe, I kid you not, this lady that was a local streetwalker, a prostitute, walks into the house. I've got I'm, my front door is open, right? And of course, I, I kind of nicknamed this the whorehouse from St. Pete, but she made a proposition for me <laughs> for, you know, for a quick $20 bill. And I said, I'm done. You know, I said, I said, hit the street and so forth. So what I did is I called my wife. I said, okay, this is what we want to do. I'm going to deed the property back to the seller. By the way, this is the only property in 33 years that I have bought subject to that I've ever given back to the seller. And I said, I'm going to deed the property back to him. We're going to give him two months worth of payments. I said, and we're done. And so I recorded the deed and I called the seller up. I said, I've paid two months on your mortgage payment. Welcome. You have your house back. And I'm going to tell you, yes, the money's gone, but closure. Was such a relief at that time that you you just like it was over. It was, and I was able to focus on the good stuff in my business instead of focusing on the bad stuff. But it is the most memorable thing that ever went through. The whorehouse Saint. I wonder, I wonder if it's okay to call this podcast that. Uh, if YouTube or Facebook will let me do I, that. I think you might have trouble with. Well, you might have to do something with Apple. Well, know. we'll see. All right, so. Um, and what did the seller say? It was just okay. He never contacted me back. Wow. Never contacted me back. I did everything through email. I, you know, I sent him copies of everything. Did a change of address. Did all that stuff that you were supposed to do. And you know, and, I, I deeded a couple of homes back to sellers back in the day, uh-huh. and I was so terrified of what they would do, or you know, they'd be angry and upset. And I, I made sure that for me, for mine too, that I did. I made sure there was a tenant in there, and I just was honest with the seller. I said, I cannot make another mortgage payment. Right. So I just made your last month's mortgage payment. The next month, the tenant's going to be sending their rent to you. And they didn't complain or say anything. I mean, they knew that I was in a tough spot. And But wow. All right. So I'm assuming you probably have a lot of lessons learned. You already talked about them here. You had a lot of cash. Cash made you stupid. Man, I can relate to that. You know, it's because it's just like, ah, send, you write a check for it. Right. And did you have at this time, like an operations manager or an assistant that helped you manage this stuff? Or was it just you? Well, I kind of ran the real estate side of things, but I had, you know, I had my construction company and I had my, you know, I had employees back then. Plus I had employees and other businesses that I kind of brought them in whenever I needed them. But I was kind of the guy that kind of made the decision on that side of things. And my bookkeeper worked with me side by side. I wish she would have worked with me a lot closer, but you know, because she she took care of all my bills. Yeah, okay. How much money did you lose on this deal? About sixty thousand. Sixty I'm writing this down. I know for me, I hired an operations manager and she's been amazing. It's more than, she's more than just an assistant or a bookkeeper. Like she manages my numbers mm-hmm. and that's been helpful for me because so many times I just, I would write a check just to put, get rid of the problem with not realizing it doesn't get rid of the problem. It, mm-hmm. you, you really have to have somebody on top of it. So that's right. a lesson learned, I think for everybody out there as well. All right. So let's talk about what would you have done differently looking back, Jonathan? Ah, uh, 
well, outside of uh, getting in the vehicle and driving over there would probably have been number one because <laughs> I would have seen the area right away or I would have had somebody there walk the area, take a street view pictures, that kind of stuff, because I relied on sellers. Of course, we know that sellers don't lie to us, but we <laughs> that's, that's a joke. But I relied on sellers' pictures and sellers' stuff to give me. I did not say take a street view. So obviously have a physical or have somebody there that is a trusted business associate to go into that area. Yeah. You know, Sometimes it's more than just the street view, right? Because yeah. there may be a railroad track behind. There may be industrial buildings in the right. area. Right. Um, Absolutely. There may be a huge cell phone tower that okay. you, know, you just never know. 5G cancer here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what else? What else would you have done differently? Well, that would probably be one of the biggest things. Okay. Uh, the financials, of course, I should have verified the financials on this, mm-hmm. that my comps were not really the comps, not really dependent on the, the CD from RealQuest to come in the mail or Wintu data back then. Not rely on that information. Get local, get a local professional, local real estate agent in play right away for this type of property. Nice. Uh, possibility, find a way to do a local rent study in that area. This would have been some of the things that I would have done if I'm, you know, if I was going to stay in that area. And so if I wanted to go back there to do this, but again, we didn't have a lot of these tools with a click of a mouse, like we do today. Today, it is just so much easier to do this stuff. But here it is. I'm thinking I'm about to make a $25,000 investment and, you know, a buy-in strategy into this thing. What, why would not have I got in my truck and drove three hours for $25,000? To me, I kicked myself. Why didn't I do that? Because if I did, I would not have spent 25 grand where I should have just done that. When you look at deals today and uh, virtual deals today, how do you do your due diligence? Well, right now I will, I'm not the virtual guy. Okay. So to me, I must have feet on the ground. And okay. that and that feet is somebody that's going to have skin in the game. Yep. And that's usually in form of a joint venture partner that we have through, you know, through associations that we develop. And that is the only way that I will do them today. And that taught me a valuable lesson right there. Oh, for sure. Okay, good. What advice would you give to somebody else, Jonathan? That would probably be the number one. Uh, the other one would be try to find a way not to use your own cash. You know, from from all these strategies over the years, I developed what I call my five pillars of funding, that money for real estate does not come out of these pockets right here. Money stays here. And that's how I kind of fund my transactions today. I break my pillars every time. But again, I try to maintain that because once you put once you put cash into a deal, into a deal, Joe, that cash is gone. Yeah. We're hoping to get, you know, everybody's talking about return on investment. I want return of investment. <laughs> so right. uh, that's so that's one of the things that I look at today. Yeah. I think another lesson learned we talked about this is having staying in your lane, uh, having multiple disposition strategies, multiple exit strategies. Right. Can you flesh that out a little bit? What do you mean by Yeah, when when I'm evaluating a deal today, Joe, I'm looking at it, can I rent it? Can I uh, lease option it? Can I sell it with owner financing or can I retail it? Okay. And, you know, those are kind of like my four. I don't like the retail side as much anymore. So the way that I'm looking at it, if my if my three main strategies are those three, if I could do two of the three, I'm probably going to go in and do the deal. If I'm stuck with one, that's a no deal for me. Okay. And the St. Pete deal, that was a one strategy that wound up being a big fat goose egg. Yeah, so important. And, and and this is going to become more and more important, I think, guys. I don't think I know as we go forward because it's been easy the last seven, eight years to make money, right? right? It's been right. so easy and it, uh, an idiot could almost make money, right? But going forward as the market starts changing and I think we will start seeing prices dip, you've got, it's going to be more important than ever to have multiple exit strategies, especially those of you guys that are doing the high-end rehabs. 
um, if all you have and you hope that you can sell it in six months, you're gonna you might be in trouble. So yeah. just make sure you have multiple exit strategies. If you can't sell it, right? Uh, if you can't rent it. If you can't do owner financing with it, whatever. So good. Excellent. Jonathan, you have a really good Facebook group. What is that group? Well, it's a subject to group. We've got about 20,000 people. Nice. And it's kind of dedicated with creative financing, just just kind of like some of the strategies that you teach. And, you know, we we kind of just sit back and chit chat. And we, uh, I'm going to look for it right now and then put a link to it in the mind map. Okay. It's just called Subject 2? Yeah, it's Subject 2 Real Estate Investing. If you Google me, you'll find it. Or Facebook me, I guess. It's called Subject 2 Real Estate Investing. 20,000 members. I have 1,128 friends in the group. I'm sure you do. That's pretty Uh, I'm going to copy this. And it's a really good group, guys. I recommend you go check it out. I'm putting it in the link to the mind map here. You also mentioned the five, five pillars of funding, blah, blah, yeah. blah. How can people get that? Is that something you have online or? Yeah, I can certainly uh, get a copy of that to you or to your assistant, if you like. If you want me to, I can just run right through it real quick. I mean, it's... Re- sure. Yeah. Like I, I just have a couple minutes though, but well, also send it to me Okay, and, and I'll put it in the mind map as well, but go ahead. All right. Well, the five pillars of funding, the money must come from these sources, seller, buyer, tenant, equity partner, or private lender. Buyer, seller, buyer, tenant, equity well, partner, or equity private lender. Partner, private lender. And each of those have subsets where money comes from the seller, where money comes from a buyer, such as such as rent with option to buy, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, those are the strategies that I have. Nice. So you have that on a PDF or some kind of yeah. uh, doc? Good. Well, yeah. If you send that to me, I will appreciate that. I will put this in the mind map. And guys, you can get that mind map again by texting the word BAD to 313131 or go to joemccall.com slash BAD and it will get you the mind map right away. And we also will have the link to the Facebook subject to group that I, you know, you guys can go search for that in Facebook. It's a really good active group. I recommend you check it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see that you shared my one of this video right now. So it's yeah. in, it's in the Facebook group as we speak. Nice. Right. Cool. Hello, everybody. Subject to real estate investing Facebook group hour. Good. Jonathan, thank you. I got to go. All right, All right Joe. Appreciate your time so much. Yeah. Best of luck to you. It's, it's good well, knowing you. I've known you, known you a long time. Hopefully get to meet you someday. Yeah, absolutely. Partner. Just need something, right. give me a holler. Take Thanks, care. Jonathan. We'll see you guys all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.